Welcome to Decrypt, Asia's first blockchain and cryptocurrency podcast. I'm your host, Tushar. Each week, we take a deep dive into the Asian blockchain scene with investors, technologists, and industry insiders. Go to decrypt.asia to subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Telegram to join in the discussions. Hello, folks. An initial coin offering, or ICO, is a fundraising mechanism through which a company offers its own crypto token to investors in exchange for a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin or Ethereum. The company doing the ICO then sells the Bitcoin or Ethereum they receive for fiat currencies such as US dollars to develop their business. If the company is able to execute well, then the crypto token that the investors hold appreciate in value. The episodes that we've done so far have focused on companies and entrepreneurs that are involved in the ICO process or have used ICOs as a fundraising tool. In this episode, we shift the focus and explore the role of blockchain in supply chain without the presence of a cryptocurrency. Blockchain technology provides increased efficiencies by allowing for easy exchange of information between multiple stakeholders and entities. And the immutable nature of blockchains allows for greater accountability and traceability. At the end of the day, what is key to remember is that blockchain is basically a database or ledger where information is stored. Today, we will be speaking to someone who's working at the confluence of two very exciting technologies, blockchain and Internet of Things. Our guest for today's show is Sid Chakravarti, founder of Statwig. Statwig is a blockchain startup that uses Internet of Things or IoT to record the journey of perishable products such as food and vaccines across the supply chain, all the way from the manufacturer to the customer. In addition, Statwig has also started leveraging blockchain to address the inefficiencies in the risk management supply chain, specifically in the insurance industry. Sid is an engineer by profession and has worked for tech giants such as Cisco and CSC before founding Statwig. Welcome to the show, Sid. Thank you, Tushar. It's a pleasure to be here. I want to talk about the problem that Statwig is solving your business model and your outlook on the blockchain space. But before that, I want to talk about your company in general. What's the Mm -hmm. story behind Statwig? Sure. Yeah. So before before this uh, startup, as as you said, I was working in the Bay Area, uh, mostly around emerging technology space for companies such as Cisco. So my role basically was looking at new technologies, building rapid prototypes in that space to show what the value proposition is to the internal teams within the companies so that we can use those new technologies to build product features or new products and uh, uh, stay ahead of the competition. So, So that basically was my role. I moved back to India at the end of 2016 and after moving back I spent I wanted to do something different so I spent some time understanding different industries, uh, especially around the manufacturing sector in Hyderabad. So I had some connections in Hyderabad. So I went to visited the plants in steel and pharmaceutical industries, understanding how the processes work, where the technology is in in the in the in the manufacturing, how they how they use uh, different tools. So it was very eye opener. So when I actually visited these plants, they have they have so many different challenges, and the technology is very old. 
So I found that as an opportunity and thought, hey, why not uh, modernize some of his uh, processes by using some of the latest technology that that Silicon Valley has and bring this to this very traditional industry. So that's how StatWig started. Uh, we started solving some of the challenges around the uh, shipping of uh, manufacturing parts. These are usually problems like shipping errors, parts going missing, parts going shipped to the wrong destinations, the delays caused because of lack of paperwork. So that's where that's how we started solving some of those challenges by tracking the products using IoT devices and recording information about them. And is there a specific reason why you were interested in the manufacturing industry? Yeah, I mean, the in the manufacturing, it was mostly because it was because the entire uh, uh, Make in India movement that happened at around the same time in India. So it was an interesting sector from that perspective. I was really passionate about the food industry, though, because of the because what I've seen actually in the food industry, there's so much wastage that happens in the food sector. Nearly 30 percent of the food goes to waste supply chains today from post harvest to all the way it reaches to the retailers or the whole retailers or the, even the customers directly. So this, I wanted to do something in that space, maybe use some technologies to prevent that waste. So that's also one of the things that drove me in that direction. You mentioned food and one of your main focus areas is management of cold chain, which is yes. a temperature controlled supply chain used to store and transport perishables such as food, uh, which you mentioned, vaccines and, and other biological products. Could you elaborate more on the problems that exist currently in the cold supply chain management? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, as you rightly said, cold chain is a temperature control supply chain uh, that's used to store and transport perishables such as food and uh, pharmaceutical products. It's so the major problem in this is cold chain failures, which means during the storage and distribution, the products are exposed to high temperatures, which basically makes them, which which basically spoils the spoils them. Uh, for example, in in case of food, the food goes to waste when it's exposed to high temperatures for a very long time, but the pharmaceutical products are even more sensitive. So if they are exposed to even for a few hours to high temperatures anything above 10 degrees centigrade, uh, they basically lose their efficacy. So that's, a, that's the, one of the major problems in, in the cold chain. The second biggest problem is, is also information sharing. So a lot of people who are handling these products in the supply chain don't really know what, what the products are and how they should be protected against these temperature excursions. So they only, all they know is that, hey, we have to move these products from point A to point B. And that's all they care about as well. So they have no information at hand to say, hey, this is the temperature. It should be stored. At. This is how we should protect them. So that's one of the biggest challenges in that space. And now you're attempting to solve these two problems that you just highlighted by leveraging IoT to track the products. and Exactly. And, and leveraging blockchain to log the information right? That's true. Yeah, that's right. So what we do is we basically track the products from the manufacturer to the customer, identifying vital information about the products, such as how it's being handled, where it is in, in the supply chain right now, 
and if there are if it's going through a temperature failure we send out alerts to the right people so that they can take some action and we also record a lot of information from the documentation about the products to uh, the temperature excursions in the, during their journey and everything which is important to a blockchain ledger that is that can basically connects all the stakeholders of the supply chain from manufacturers to logistics companies to banks and insurance companies whoever plays a major role in the supply chain they all get the same information and uh, so that basically improves the efficiency because you don't have to create multiple records of each document and send it out in different direction you have one source of proof that that is um, visible to all the stakeholders so that's how we combine iot and blockchain together to provide a complete solution right so as far as the iot aspect is concerned how does it exactly work i've read in in different places that you put trackers on the products and you also place sensors in cargo containers sometimes to monitor the temperature but how does it exactly work what is the device that you put to track or sense temperatures look like yeah the the basic element that we track is the product itself whether it could be meat or milk or it could be fruits and vegetables it could be vaccines so we track we track at a product level so the product basically moves along the supply chain through different stages changes several hands so what we have identified is something that associates with the package throughout its journey is its packaging so most of our sensors are attached to the package of the box and that goes from one segment to the another segment so these are small sensors which track temperature humidity the location of the package and several other parameters that are vital for example pressure on the package if they are getting damaged because of the because of the external pressure applied on the package so we can sense that so we track so many so many other details and send that to through a gateway to the blockchain ledger and is this a proprietary technology that has been developed by you or are you leveraging on some of the existing products that are out there in the market we're doing we're kind of doing both uh, because every product is very different from uh, um, each other so we track so many different products that we can't keep uh, building proprietary technology for every every single supply chain so what we do is we have some built in house and then we also leverage what what's there in the industry already and uh, we basically build a software layer on top of the existing sensors in the market so as far as blockchain is concerned i'm presuming that companies in general are leading towards permissioned or private blockchains currently right this is tushar here in the studio i want to make a quick comment here blockchains can be public or private public blockchains are also called permissionless because anyone with a computer and internet can access these blockchains one does not need permission from anyone to access these blockchains bitcoin and ethereum are examples of public blockchains a lot of companies are however currently opting for private blockchains where the access is controlled and only given to a few individuals hence private blockchains are also called permission blockchains because you need someone's permission to access these blockchains yeah so far that's that's the trend that we see because where the implement, i mean the interest is mostly from the retailers or the distribution companies 
and these want some control over the data who can access data on the blockchain so it's still very private and permissioned as you mentioned but as we evolve i think there will be a hybrid model which is semi private and public because you eventually have to open it up to public who are your customers so that they can access add information to the blockchain as well so um, i think in the future there will be a more hybrid model rather than like what we see today would there be any other benefit of companies moving to a hybrid model apart from the customers being able to see it yeah I, there are some i mean several benefits actually it's again uh, going back to the basic principles of like why we use blockchain right the whole decentralization of information so from that perspective as well the the whole controversy around the private blockchains is is that it's still controlled by few entities in the chain so if you want to for some use cases such as food right if you are if you want to talk about food cont- contamination track tracking the providence of food things like these uh, making it more public makes a lot of sense uh, because then you are truly decentralizing that information can you tell us in general about the blockchain solutions that you're using and how these companies are viewing the blockchain technology sure so what we have built is a, a platform called sc blockchain which which is our core uh, blockchain layer where it's a, it's a ledger where we record read and write information to and on top of that what we are developing is a lot of vertical solutions these are for monitoring alerting uh, analytics your user management and so many other uh, services on top of the core blockchain layer and a layer on top of that is where your applications reside uh, these could be the food supply chain uh, the farm to fork applications demand and capacity management applications so these sit on the top layer so that's that's how our platform the solutions that we offer today are structured in terms of what we're seeing several different types of customer interests the primary one is the traceability of uh, products such as food from all the way from farm to fork so what that means is if uh, if you buy for example uh, x you want to know from which farm it came from when it was uh, picked up from the farm uh, how, how long it was stored in the warehouse and uh, how it was uh, packaged and delivered and so many other details around it so that basically tells you whether the x are really organic or non organic or whether they're safe to consume or not so that's the major trend that we are seeing from the customers uh, to provide that information to customers the second area which is uh, very popular is around supply chain management so uh, having the information about demand and capacity at different levels of the supply chain is extremely challenging today you have very good understanding of what your capacity levels are today and how much demand you are going to expect but it's very hard to get that information from your partners warehouse or distribution centers so having that blockchain connectivity where all the stakeholders can share their information about what levels of capacity they have and what demand they are seeing so it basically helps them their resources in a better way so that's another area that we are where there's a lot of interest there's also interest when in the export and import market so every product that has to go to the international market has to get certified on quality 
information, which means if you are sending NEAT, it has to, you need to have right documentation in place to prove that, hey, the cattle has been vaccinated properly. It has been, uh, there has been lab tests to show that there hasn't been any contamination. And there's so many other details. There's around 17 point uh, checklist to certify meat going out of a country. So having that information on blockchain instead of on paper builds a lot of lot more confidence on uh, to the buyers on the other end of the world uh, when they're buying product. So that's another use case that we are seeing very commonly in the blockchain space. That makes absolute sense. So you mentioned you've developed your own blockchain layer called SC blockchain. Has this been developed by you? Yes. So we, um, so yes. Uh, so we have uh, several, uh, it's based on the open source uh, projects, obviously. The core of SC blockchain is Ethereum, but we have several layers of uh, wrappers on top of it. So it's a customized version of Ethereum. And I'm presuming it stands for your initials, Sid Chakravarti. No, it's actually supply chain. (laughs) Right. Okay. So what are the properties of this core blockchain layer that you've developed? So what we have uh, mostly focused on is, uh, I mean, the way we say it is blockchain is promising that all the records are tamper proof. But the, the additional requirement that most of the customers have is that hey, this record should also be true records. What that means is, hey, we should be able to trust that the information is true and someone has not put false information in there and everyone thinks, hey, because since it's on blockchain, it's a, it's a valid information. So it's a, it's a very difficult challenge because you can't control like what information goes into blockchain, right? The only way we can do that is if the information is coming directly from IoT devices, for example. So there is there is no manual intervention there. So if there is a temperature alert, then the IoT devices records it and sends it to blockchain. So what we focused on the platform is to create that interface between the IoT stack and the blockchain stack to work seamlessly across the supply chain different uh, in different segments through different uh, types of sensors and uh, how do we do that very efficiently? Because on one on one side we have IoT, which is sending like thousands of messages per second. Uh, if you collectively take all the IoT data on the blockchain, you have this heavy heavy platform which takes a long time to mine one transaction and record that into blockchain. So what we are working on is basically how we can optimize that uh, interconnectivity between IoT and uh, blockchain. I want to now circle back to the other huge industry that you're focusing on, insurance. What are some of the problems or inefficiencies that exist in the insurance industry that blockchain can help solve? Sure. So, I mean, the, the our journey with insurance started when we started tracking the money part. So there's so much waste in supply chains, right? There's so much product losses. So when we tried to track who pays for this loss, so it always ends up with the insurance company because everyone on the manufacturers, uh, transportation companies, they all always buy policies to protect their cargo, whether it's in the in the warehouses or it's in the cargo, it's on a cargo ship or in an air freight. So they buy different policies to protect their goods. 
So it's the insurers who is uh, pulling this risk and uh, providing policies uh, to the to the manufacturers or the logistics companies. So insurance insurance plays a key role in this entire supply chain. They it is very difficult job for them today because supply chains are becoming so global which makes them very complex and fragmented. So to get the right information on what the cargo is, how it's being handled, how, where it's usually failing, so that they can uh, design better policies with this information is, is vital for insurance companies. So by being part of the blockchain, insurers can now get so many additional data points in real time and these are tamper-proof records, so which will help them streamline their claims management processes and um, introduce micro-insurance uh, policies. So I want to touch more in more detail on what those means. So today, when someone files a claim, it takes time. You have to send out an investigator to see what happened, how it happened, collect a lot of documentation, process the claim, release the payment. So using smart contracts and the data available on blockchain, you can automate a lot of uh, these processes. So instead of taking like two months or three months to process a claim, you can do it in a few minutes by having the information already available on blockchain. On the micro-insurance policies, what that means is insurance has a very umbrella policies. So for a, for a, if you take cargo containers, for example, they usually calculate the, the value of the products inside the cargo container as somewhere between 500k, $500,000 to $100,000. Sorry, $50,000 to $100,000. But in some cases, the, the, the value of cargo is way above that price range. It's somewhere near $1 million. So uh, these guys are uh, writing completely wrong policies based on the... In, lack of information uh, that that they have. So by having that information available to them on blockchain, they can design new policies, customized policies for each container on the cargo ship. So each container has a different policy so that they are better covered and uh, don't incur a lot of losses in these cases. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about your business model. I read somewhere that you're deploying a SaaS business model. There are plenty of companies who've ridden the ICO wave as a way of fundraising. What was your thought process in not going down the ICO path and choosing this business model? So, so even, I mean, the, that's, that's the problem I see with the, most of the ICO companies, right? So they, they promise to raise funds through ICO and then figure out their business model after raising funds. I think it should be the other way around. I see ICO as uh, asking for investment, right? So you can't go to an investor without a business model and then try to raise some money. So, so what we did is basically strengthen our business model. We, have, we license our platform today and we also provide services on top of it so that we build solutions for supply chain industry, very specifically today around cold chain industry. So... Uh, that's our model right now. So we 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 license our platform and also provide, which is a metered license. So it's it depends on how many transactions you do per month. So which we, we have different buckets around that. 
and then we have a charge additional fee for the services that we offer on top of the platform so yeah so we we've been generating revenue with that model and and things are looking good so so far so we haven't really looked at the ICO road because of that okay that sounds great but would you be open to doing an ICO in the future as a fundraising mechanism yeah i mean um, i think uh, there are some regulations coming uh, into place around that space so it's becoming very interesting for fundraising so what the way we see it today is a lot of vcs are also op- opening up to the ico the idea of ico so they are seeing uh, ico as an angel round or a pre seed round so earlier vcs were like completely dismissing icos as scams or uh, or <laughs> or a illegal money but uh, uh, more more and more VCs are seeing it as this angel and seed, uh, pre-seed round. So it makes sense uh, for us to explore that uh, avenue when we are ready to raise more funds. I want to talk a little bit about your clients. Could you give us a sense of the general demographic of your client base? You know, where are they located? How big or small are they? Yeah, we have uh, we a few projects running in India. Uh, we're seeing some interest uh, from clients in uh, Singapore and Australia. So that's where, uh, so yeah, it's, it's mostly Asia that we are seeing a lot of interest. We had some discussions around some pilots in Europe as well, because uh, in Europe, uh, this again, food awareness is uh, a big uh, of the community over there in asia it's mostly around the distributors who are exporting to the european markets and since we are in here in us we've been seeing a lot of interest from the insurers in the us and some uh, distributors in us so i would say i mean it's very hard today because the supply chains are so global we're seeing interest from uh, several different places but since we've been in uh, asia that's where most of our current users are. Uh, we're seeing, but we're seeing opportunities everywhere. The clients from, or the potential clients that you're seeing interest from, are they relatively uh, the market leaders in their industry, or are these the smaller companies that are trying to leverage a new technology in order to scale up and catch up with their competitors? Uh, that's a very good question, actually. So, I mean, it's a it's been an eye opener. So, when we joined on the uh, when we started on this journey, what many people told us is that hey, this is a big space. It's very hard to change this space. But what we have noticed is that most of the people in the industry want to change it, uh, want to weigh, um, provide more information to their consumers. So the real interest is coming from people within the industry. So what we are basically doing is enabling them with the technology that would uh, help them move in that direction. So far, I mean, most of our customers are, I wouldn't say market leaders, but uh, in in a mid-tier. So where they the reason they want to use blockchain is to create new revenue channels for them so they can um, provide additional information about the products that would make their make them enable them to provide more premium products to their customers saying hey this is this is our meat uh, we we can tell you like how it was bred uh, grass fed throughout its life and uh, how we uh, we have uh, carefully stored and distributed and brought it to you with a lot of care. So that basically pushes their products into 
a premium market segment. So we're we're mostly seeing interest from distributors or retailers in creating new revenue channels for their products uh, using blockchain technology. And are there any challenges that you encounter, especially in getting buy-in from clients or potential clients? Do they have any reservations or they're quite open to adopting these technologies? Yeah, I mean, the biggest challenge is we, they don't have, I mean, most of the interest is coming from, so we're a small team, so we, we don't spend a lot of uh, money on marketing or anything. So the customers that we have today are those who, who approached us uh, looking for a solution. So from that perspective, there is in interest, obviously, from people in the industry to adopt these technologies to provide better solutions for the customers. The, the only challenge I see is, I mean, blockchain is very complex technology. It's very new. There's also a lot of, it's, it's in so many different uh, domains and industries that it's also a bit confusing when you're talking to new customers about like what their expectations are when it comes to technology and how they want to use it. So, but yeah, I mean, a lot of people have better awareness of it today than what we have seen in the last year when we were, when we were going, uh, going out and talking to customers. So it's becoming better, actually. So there's a lot of awareness in terms of blockchain, what it does, what, what's the value proposition to the customers. So it's becoming a lot more easier to get new projects in that space. Yeah, but I, I can imagine it was still a pretty challenging task to explain the value proposition of blockchain over, over current systems. What does Statwig's roadmap look like over the next 12 to 18 months? Is there any particular activity that you're focused on? What we want to do is we, we're planning to release our platform uh, and make it more public uh, by the end of uh, 2018. So that would, that's where we would invite beta users to use it for their own applications and then uh, test it out. And then we start doing regular releases after that in the next year. So that's our plan for now. So things are looking in good shape in that direction. So we're doing some uh, projects in uh, India and in, in Australia, Singapore, in that direction to push our platform to a, a stage where it can be released to a broader user base. That's great to hear. You were first incubated at D-Hub, India's largest incubator for startups. Uh, subsequently, you've been part of the Airmaker Accelerator in Singapore, as well as the Hartford InsureTech Hub. It seems that you've been quite busy over the past couple of years. Now, how has your startup journey in general been? Oh, it's been uh, <laughs> it's been uh, uh, I would say very good. Uh, as you as you said, it's we've moved from India to Singapore to US now, so it's been uh, quite a journey geographically as well, <laughs> not just in terms of growth. Yeah. Uh, but we, I started this alone, but we have a good team now of six people, and we are recruiting uh, heavily this this summer. So we got, we will be a size of uh, around 15 people by end of May. So we've been been growing very quickly and we're seeing a lot of interest from the customer side. The market is uh, looking really good. There's a lot of interest in blockchain solutions, especially around the food and pharmaceutical space. So um, things are looking very bright uh, from that perspective. So uh, I can't complain. 
I think it all sounds very positive. Uh, so before we end, I want to get your outlook on the blockchain ecosystem in general. Are there any areas of development in the blockchain space overall that particularly excite you? There are two areas which would be very interesting, I think. One would be integration of blockchain with uh, other technologies such as IoT. So that would be a very interesting space to watch out for. I really like what uh, the IoT platform does right now, their protocol and everything. So I think there will be more projects around that in in the near future which would bring a lot of value to uh, real-world use cases. The second uh, thing is, I think uh, there will be, there will also be very interesting uh, solutions around interoperability of uh, blockchain platforms. What that means is today, the Ethereums and Bitcoins of the world don't talk to each other, right? There's like completely isolated systems, but they have to <laughs> talk to each other in the future. So um, we have, we should have that portability of data from one platform to another platform. So I think we'll see a lot of, lot of developments in that area uh, in the near future. So yeah, I think uh, 2018 will be very also interesting from. Uh, how mature uh, solutions will evolve. So what I mean by that is uh, basically what we've been hearing so far is only use cases around blockchain, how people say that, hey, we can use blockchain for this, we can use for that. But I think in 2018, uh, we'll see some real projects around that. People are trying to solve this problem and see a lot of challenges that, they are going to face in solving those problems. So I think that's going to be very good for us. That will help us grow the technology into a different dimension. Yeah, these are some of the things that I'm looking forward to in in this year. I've personally been spending a lot of time researching Cosmos, Polkadot, you know, which are facilitating what you talked about, the interoperability uh, between the chains. Any last comments from your end? So, I mean, uh, blockchain is revolutionizing so many industries, right? So it's, and it's going to be, it's here to stay. Uh, It's not going anywhere in the near future. So I think uh, there's a huge promise for the technology. Although what I believe it is the hype around blockchain will die after a few years, people would not care like what, what's the technology, but the value proposition that it brings, basically the decentralization of and the processes that exist today, the the traceability, the build, building of trust into the information systems, those will last for a very long time. So we won't probably hear about blockchain every day in our in our day to day activity, but we would like become so dependent on it, so that uh, it would uh, take us in a different direction. It would basically change how we live and work and do several things. All right. Yeah, I I echo your thoughts. On that note, let's end this interview. Sid, thank you very much for taking the time out to come speak with us. I look forward to all the developments at Statwig and wish you the best. Thanks a lot. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Telegram and subscribe to our newsletter on decrypt.asia. This is your host, Tashar. Thank you for listening.